Welcome everyone back to the Fetch It podcast. Today we had a very, very special guest. Uh, David's going to tell you about it. I think you're going to be very, very hyped. It gives a lot of hope for those going zero into buying your own property. David, what did you think about Skyler? Dude, Skyler, that, that guy, he's got um, a lot of irons in the fire right now, but it looks like all of them are going really, really well. And so um, him and his partner, Maddie, they started out in the California market doing arbitrage right before COVID hit. So perfect timing, right? And so they had to make the pivot into medium term rentals. And so they arbitraged medium term rentals. And then uh, they decided that they were going to buy in Big Bear, which is a market that a lot of people like. He was during Big Bear, he able he was able to uh, basically do a live in flip and make a boatload of money off of his property. So stick around, listen to that. And now they're in upstate New York, and he's working with a company called TechVestor. And it's something that even non accredited investors can get into, and they can, you know, bring money to the table, and they can make, you know, more of a passive uh, investment or make a, a passive return, instead of having to worry about buying their own short term rentals, buying their own properties, you could go to somebody like them. And the difference between this company and a lot of other companies is you don't have to be an accredited investor to be able to invest with them a lot of big companies or like big syndications you have to be an accredited investor have to make a quarter million a year or have to have a one million dollar net worth all this other crazy stuff so you can go to them you can invest a little bit of money make a little bit of cash back if you don't have the time to invest and he was just an all-around great guy so i think the uh, the listeners are going to get a ton out of this and uh, just just as always our gentlemen's agreement we bring you cool guests and do a lot of research so please click subscribe and like and without further ado let's get it going let's do it all right we are back with another episode of the fetchy podcast we have skylar vaughn with us very special guest uh he is an investor in upstate new york correct correct and uh we've got him on today to talk to us about a little bit of everything so skylar please introduce yourself let us know who you are Cool. Hey guys. Yep. Uh, so Skylar Vaughn currently living here in upstate New York in the city of Hudson, originally from California. Um, I've lived pretty much in every big town in California, San Francisco Bay Area, uh, Los Angeles, San Diego. So really been around um, the entire state. Uh, currently have four rental arbitrage units in San Diego. Um, and then we also, my partner Maddie and myself have purchased and sold a house in Big Bear, California. Um, that happened over the last two years or so. Um, we're able to profit pretty significantly on the sale of that house and kind of funded our move across country to upstate New York, where we're hoping to um, work with specific clients when when the opportunity arises, when people want their own short-term rental. Um, and I also work um, at a company called TechBuster, where we um, pretty much have scaled the short-term rental company over the last year. Um, we're actually over 75 uh, short-term rentals across the country right now. Very nice. So, so TechVestor, ju- just to dive straight into that, is that a yeah. that's a property management company? So it's not a property management company. It's a fund structure. So gotcha. a very simple kind of um, in terms of the way that that works. Um, we work with uh, accredited investors and non-accredited investors. Um, they can invest. Uh, it's twenty five thousand dollars or more into. Um, now we're moving into fund number two, actually. Um, and so we take that capital. We go out and purchase single family homes for the most part, and we turn those homes into um, short term rentals. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay, makes sense. So it's kind of like a uh, uh, fundrise. That, that's one of the new, the exactly. new, you know, uh, uh, corporations that are out there. So I, I have to ask, is that the, the so you move from sunny California <laughs> to upstate New York, where you just probably had like four feet of snow last month? So what was the move like for that? And what was the reasoning behind it? Yeah, definitely. So 
being kind of a lifelong Californian and same with, with my partner, Maddie, um, we've always been interested in kind of moving out of the state, at least for a, a time period in our life. And so um, we actually first found out about upstate New York from a client that we were working with. Um, they purchased a home in, in the town of Saugerties, which is just outside of Woodstock, New York. Um, and so we were kind of traveling to and from uh, California here every couple of weeks for for a good part of that, that renovation period. Um, and so kind of fell in love with the area. We came during the nicest times in the year. It was kind of that end of summer, early fall time here in upstate New York. And that's when you have, you know, all the beautiful colors. You're actually experiencing the the fall weather, unlike California, where it's, you know, 70 degrees all year round. So kind of fell in love with the area then. Um, and, you know, through that time period, realized this is kind of a market that we were somewhat interested in, in, in purchasing and potentially scaling ourselves. Um, uh, compared to some markets that we were used to in California, it seemed like a really great opportunity. So um, kind of just delved right into it. Um, we were looking to purchase a home uh, for ourselves uh, for a while here. Still, we're getting outbid. I, it, it's kind of crazy that even, you know, late 2022, we were still getting outbid by like all cash offers on a home that we were just trying to use as our primary residence. So had to quickly shift from purchasing a home. We ended up renting um, this apartment here that's, uh, again, kind of in downtown Hudson, California. And we can kind of delve into this too. It was actually a really crazy opportunity how this happened. We found a landlord, rented out this space, and then it just so happened that the unit downstairs became available for rent. And now we're actually running a rental arbitrage unit that we're currently getting set up just downstairs from us. So rental arbitrage is not dead. Um, <laughs> I know sometimes, you know, we're not the people that I think wanted to scale rental rental arbitrage to like 100 units. But when the opportunity arises, we're always happy to kind of uh, work ourselves into those situations. We, we had uh, we had Jeff Alulian on the other day, and he's the ho CEO of Host GPO, and he was saying because interest rates are going up, he actually thinks that the opportunity for rental arbitrage is also going up because he's seeing rental decreases, notices mm -hmm. of rental decreases to tenants for the next year. So he goes, if the rents are going down, yep. the opportunity for rental arbitrage really should go up. So right. that's really cool that you're doing that. You're on trend. Yeah, no, yeah. absolutely. I, I rental arbitrage, I think people like to crap on it. Um, I will crap on it myself still being a host of multiple <laughs> rental arbitrage units. But I think in general, it's clearly shown to be one of the best ways to get started with Airbnb. Um, and I will always, you know, be thankful for what rental arbitrage has done for for myself the last few years, for sure. 100%. Can't, can't agree with that more. It's a great training wheels, great way to get a little bit of cash flow coming in to then build up a little nest egg and then you start buying. But yeah, people say, heck no, don't do anything. Don't do any rental arbitrage because you're not building equity. It's like, well, I'm not building cash either. So I need something <laughs> to happen here. Exactly. Um, so, so you mentioned Maddie a few different times. You mind uh, uh, introducing her, talking about that relationship and how yeah. or what what all that entails? Yeah, absolutely. So Maddie and myself have been together for a little over four years now. We met uh, met in college at the University of San Francisco, had a couple classes together, ended up having you know some close friends, ended up living a block away from each other our last year in college. <laughs> so we actually became really good friends and that led into kind of a, a relationship for us um, towards the back end of our, our college days. Um, and yeah, ever since then, we were, you know, kind of the traditional story pre-COVID, just out of college, working the simple nine to five life. I always pride myself on prior to getting into real estate, my job was working in the cannabis space in California. So that was a really fun no post-college <laughs> yeah, post 
pretty um, chill job experience. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. So worked for one of the largest uh, edible companies in California called Kiva Confections and was doing marketing there. And like many other people, um, you know, right at the beginning of COVID, one of the people that got laid off from just budget cuts and things like that, it was very, very harsh in the cannabis space during, during that time as well. So during that process, Maddie and I had always thought about, you know, what it would be like to, you know, find some type of investment uh, out there. And um, I'm sure you guys are familiar with the name, but the guy Chris Choi doing rental arbitrage. Oh, yeah. In San yeah, Diego. Yeah. Um, funny story, Maddie was in an Uber in San Francisco and a driver randomly brought up this guy, showed him the account and we're, and it was Maddie by herself in this Uber. And she immediately comes home and was like, I can't believe this guy. Like he's making all this money renting these units and, and subleasing them on Airbnb. And that was our intro to Airbnb and rental arbitrage together. And I kid you not, three weeks later, we were on a plane to San Diego and we picked up two units, uh, via rental arbitrage. So it was a very quick experience there for sure. So for the audience, I want I want people to know, first of all, I bought Chris Choi's course back in the day. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so I, I'm familiar. I actually want everybody to know the way we met is I actually I actually signed up to do an hour coaching with you and you were the precursor to me getting into the Airbnb game, which oh, was an Airbnb arbitrage unit in Cleveland, Ohio that I launched before yeah, the, yeah. the All-Star game. So I just want to, you know, say thank you for what you've done. And maybe you could share a little bit about what you did with the, the the coaching. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So for just coaching in general, I mean, I know the last couple of years, I feel like every time I'm scrolling on my social media, you'll see a new coach pop up within the Airbnb space. So it has gotten a little bit crazy. I mean, thankfully, Maddie and myself, I won't say we're in the Airbnb game early by any means, but back in you know January of 2020, it's a lot different than what you're seeing today, even on the social media influencer coaching side of things as well. Um, ultimately for us, we, we started it off as sort of a way just for me personally to make money. I was out of a job. We had our rental arbitrage investments. We were gaining followers, especially on TikTok at a, at a pretty rapid pace. And so um, at that point in time, we thought, okay, let's just, you know, launch our consultation calls, launch like a four week mentorship program. And that was just me kind of building stuff from scratch, taking whatever I was learning on the fly and implementing it into a coaching program. Um, really, I think geared more towards like rental arbitrage, the new investor, just trying to, you know, pass off at least all the information I had gained throughout that time period. But I think one thing that I think we, we connected on and also just the people that I generally talk to is I, I don't think I try and come across as like an expert in the space or like try and talk about things I'm not familiar with. I'm really just going to relay what I've learned over the last couple of years to the people that I'm working with. And I try and really make that one-on-one -on -one connection because, you know, one person that signs up might be really interested in rental arbitrage and might have $5,000 to their name. And then one other person that, you know, has signed up and I've talked to is like ready to buy three homes in the span of a month. Right. So very different in terms of who you're talking to. And that was always kind of my focus with, you know, one-on-one -on -one calls and a mentorship program was to really just make that specific for, for the person that I'm working with. That's awesome. Yeah. And so, so Yoni and I, we, we talked and we're like, I bet the majority of people listening, they, they maybe have a property or a lot of people probably don't have any properties. And so like we, we talked, we're all fans of at least, you know, getting started with arbitrage, don't build a you know giant business on it, but getting started with it. So for you, whenever you guys first got your San Diego arbitrage properties, what were numbers looking like for those whenever you first got into them? Like, how did you navigate that with it being something new for you? Just so that for people that are listening, they might be able to, you know, take some of those little nuggets and be able to run with it and hopefully get their first property. 
Yeah, for sure. So like I said, we kind of just hopped right into it. Um, we did a little bit of research. We kind of like figured out we're both kind of, you know, millennial tech people. So we kind of figured it out as, as we went and it wasn't too difficult on like the software side of things. But yeah, when it came down to the time period that we got started and then with the pandemic just right around the corner, it was definitely a rough first few months and a lot of um just late nights and and not not sleeping very well at the beginning. So um, when we first got our units, it was, you know, January 1st of 2020, we signed on to two one bed, one bath listings and very small. So that was really nice. It was a very easy, simple way to just get started um, for not a ton of money down, which was great. Um, once March hit, we had actually already moved to Southern California. We were about two hours away from our units. Everything was running pretty smoothly. Um, you know, still trying to recoup that initial investment, but definitely looking like it was going to be a solid year for the first go March, April, May of 2020, um, we really quickly transitioned uh, to using our listings like midterm rentals as well. So um, I think that was one thing that we quickly pivoted and realized, okay, like this stuff might get shut down. Thankfully, we were in San Diego, which was a location that pretty quickly, it at least seemed like it went back to normal for the most part. So um, still had those short-term guests coming in, you know, towards the summer months in 2020. And since then it's it's relatively been fine. Um, but yeah, those first couple of months, we quickly transitioned to, we even listed our, our two listings on Zillow. Um, we tried out Verbo. We were looking at all the different places that we could possibly attract guests and that ended up um, actually turning into, I believe one of them, we had like a 90 day long stay from a traveling nurse actually coming to the area uh, into San Diego. So um, it randomly happens. Um, but again, I think we just tried to be scrappy. Um, we made a deal with our landlord, you know, not realizing this was going to happen. He cut a few hundred dollars off of our rent for a few months there. So, you know, really just try to make this a mom and pop shop, but into something that was, you know, going to be profitable for us as long as we could just get out of these rough couple of months. <laughs> Yeah. So big, big lesson right there for everybody is just like, it's so important to be able to have the ability to pivot. You know, like everybody always has pivot in real estate, but it's true. Like you need to be able to think about, okay, if, well, nobody was seeing the, you know, the pandemic coming, but you know, at least you were able to think about, okay, you know, I might be stuck with these short-term rentals for a little while. And so, okay, what's happening right now? It's a health crisis where, or who's moving around right now, traveling nurses, let's try and pivot into some medium-term rentals. So just thinking outside the box and like what could happen and what, you know, some other alternative exit strategies could be is really smart. Um, so, so just scrolling through your Instagram page, my gosh, it's beautiful. So you guys have some phenomenal interior design. And so who's kind of uh, in charge of that side of things? Is it a combination or is it uh, more on Maddie or more on you? Yeah, it's it's always Maddie. So the design side of things, I can hold my own, I would say, but uh, <laughs> I definitely think I get outvoted uh, Maddie to Skylar on, on most of the design projects. So um, everything that you see online in terms of the digital branding and stuff like that is definitely more of, of Maddie's uh, realm uh, for us. But um, yeah, in terms of you know what I what I primarily focus on, not only for just our listings, but also the work that I do with with techvestors. I just have like an operations like minded brain. I've tried different career paths, different like, you know, sales roles in the past and things like that. And I'm finally starting to come around to realize like I'm more of like, you know, give me a system and I can pretty much do do anything with it. And so um, ultimately, that's kind of my end. Maddie always laughs. She orders the cardboard boxes and I break them down because like that's just kind of the roles that that we we play together, which is nice. 
So, uh, so now, I mean, you guys are, you know, getting into this big, big, you know, uh, um, crowdfunding source almost type of thing, but currently portfolio for you guys, what's portfolio look like? Like what's the mix up of it? You know, you said that you have some arbitrage units, do you guys own properties? Like what's, what's the mix up looking like now? Yeah. So for Maddie and I, we have the four rental arbitrage units in San Diego. Um, and I don't know if you guys are familiar, but San Diego just went through like a huge short-term rental, like permitting process towards the uh, back end of last year, if I'm correct. Yeah. Um, It ended up not being anything crazy. Everyone ended up getting the permits as long as you applied for it. And they were originally going to do a lottery system. So that was a little bit of like a, we may not be hosts in San Diego anymore for a little bit. So thankfully still have those four to rely on. Um, And then secondly, you know, one of the biggest, you know, parts of our life was being able to turn our rental arbitrage profits into our first ever home purchase together. And that was Mm. um, in early 2021, April of 2021, I believe, we purchased our first home in Big Bear, California. Mm-hmm. Um, it was in Big Bear City. If you guys want to have a Big Bear conversation, I'm all for having that conversation as well. But our home was in Big Bear City, um, a little bit less in terms of the regulation piece there, which was nice compared to the neighboring town, which is Big Bear Lake. Um, we did a live-in flip uh, as our first home that we purchased. So it was a pretty decent home to begin with. Um, the previous owner had, you know, done things like new, new LVP and things like that. So it made it relatively easy. We renovated a couple of bathrooms, um, did a lot of outdoor yard work space, um, for throughout those first few months. And then Big Bear being a mountain town, we were able to, you know, rent that over the winter, uh, made a killing, which was great. It was, I think that was kind of at least to my knowledge, one of the, the really great winter seasons on Airbnb in, in the Big Bear Mountain area. So um, super nice. We were able to profit on that. Went back and lived in that house again after the winter for a few months and then realized this was about midway through 2022 that our house was going to appraise for a crazy number compared to what we bought it for. And at that point in time, we were uh, wanting to be a little bit more cash heavy and um, ended up selling that home as actually a turnkey short-term rental. So that's another thing I definitely think is something on the horizon in the short-term rental space is if you have the skill set to, you know, buy a good deal, turn that house into a really good, you know, short-term rental, there is plenty of money out there from investors that don't want to do any of the work that just want something that they can rent day one. That's brilliant. So what I would say, what I would say is there's a lot that you just said. So first of all, turning rental arbitrage profits into a home purchase is probably the dream for, <laughs> for everybody that has no money. Yeah. Okay. Because there's a lot, a lot of tools to get in the space. If you have $5,000 to your name, like you mentioned earlier from your coaching calls, mm-hmm. um, if you can, if you can parlay that into a purchase and selling as a turnkey, that's amazing. Personally, myself with Fetch It, we've noticed that, that there are people, some brokers, with, with with furnished properties selling as like oh potential Airbnb they don't those bro- those agents don't know what the actual numbers would be what the average daily rates will be but I I I love what you just said I definitely think that if there are agents listening or p- people that want to sell if you could come up with a, a a cute design theme and furnish it really well hit up Skyler and Maddie because. Uh, uh, yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. So I, I definitely think that's that's the way of the future in terms of, you know, single family homes, especially. It's like you're gonna see, I think, a lot of that over the next, you know, three to five years of I think right now we're seeing I, I kind of see what, what you're saying in terms of like that listing description on, on Zillow or something saying like, oh, this would be a great short-term rental investment. But I think just that next level is like for that buyer to actually just buy something that they can rent the next day, you know. 
Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. You always see like, oh yeah, it would it would work as an Airbnb. But if you yeah. had a, a good listing agent that was familiar with the short-term rental game and they were like per air DNA predictions at 79% occupancy, it's going to gross X amount of dollars per year at a purchase price of blah, your cash on cash could be this. If yeah. I saw that in a description, I would be like, okay, these guys know their stuff and I, I'm going to be very interested. So that's, that's sure. a beautiful model. I, I do agree with that. I know uh, we, we had talked briefly about Tony and Sarah Robinson before we hopped on here. And I know that they've done a couple of uh, flips that they, I think it was out in Joshua tree area. Yeah. And I'm sure that they did really, really well in those. So I do agree with you. That could be a very, very lucrative space to get into because flipping right now is a little sketchy because people don't know where interest rates are going to go. People don't know what's going to happen. But if you knew that, or well, knew that you were going to have, you know, that a uh, little bit of an extra cushion, if you could design it well, and you knew that you could market it to people and it's in a good short-term rental market, like, you know, Big Bear, Big Lake, whatever, um, then I think, yeah, I think you could be uh, very successful with that. And that's yeah. just a good way to get a nice big chunk of money. And like you said, parlay that into something else. For sure, hundred percent. And that was that wasn't always the goal. Believe us. Like I think when we bought that home, we were like, oh, we'll, we'll at least have this, you know, five, ten years down the road. You know, maybe something our, our future kids eventually could come to and things like that. But I think over you know the course of the last you know three plus years that we've been in the space, I think what we've learned the most is that you know when the opportunity arises to you know make a little bit more money than you thought you were going to absolutely take it um, yeah. because it might not come again for a while. So um, you know that specific you know, selling of that home really gave us about five years of profit that that home was going to make us in our pocket immediately in one go. So for us, it was kind of a no brainer, um, you know, being able to parlay that money into, you know, a lifestyle change into new investments. We were just very excited at that opportunity. Yeah. yeah as, as, as the old saying goes, uh, make hay while the sun's shining, right? Go ahead, yeah. Yanni. <laughs> Quick question. You talked a little bit about the San Diego lottery thing that didn't end up happening with organs. Yeah. Talk a little bit about what you think about ordinances, where it's going. Um, David's a midterm rental expert, and so obviously he's immune to some of these things as, as, on his side. But what do you think about these regulations? I'm very biased. I don't want to say what I think. I want to hear what you think. Um, <laughs> yeah. you see by my facial expression, the audience yeah. probably knows what I think. But tell us what you think, Skylar. Yeah, I mean, I think taking like San Diego is like an example Um it was 100% like the wild, wild west in San Diego. Like you could, you could literally do anything on Airbnb. You have a home, you want to put it on Airbnb. You don't need a permit. You don't need anything, no city regulations, anything. So when it comes to markets like that, it does get a little bit scary because then you see this ordinance come into play that was, you know, probably about five years in the making for the city of San Diego. And so as a host, now we're in a lottery based system that they had tiers of different, you know, spaces you were going to be based off of like the amount of years that you were a host and things like that. So you had maybe little gains on the newer hosts in the area, but in terms of that, you know, uh, mindset that you had to be in the last year or so, it even made me reluctant to spruce up my listings there occasionally because mm -hmm. I'm thinking, oh, I might be out of this listing by, you know, 2024 anyway. So for me, it was a little bit of just like, oh, okay, I, I want to get there. I want to spruce up these listings, but with the regulations in play, you, ne you never know. So personally, I think regulations are good in, in itself um, in terms of, you know, I think a county and a city, there's so much money to be made there that that's typically where I would skew. Um, if you take a market like Big Bear as well, Nothing on anyone that lives full-time in Big Bear. I've lived full-time in Big Bear myself. But when you go to a mountain town of that nature, that's been a vacation rental market for decades at this point, you get a very harsh 
like push and pull from the community that lives there full time and then the guests that come up on the weekend, let's call it. So um, in those particular situations, I do think it's, you know, upon the city and the county to really understand that dynamic and figure out solutions. And oftentimes you just don't have that city and county willing to figure out that solution in a positive way. They're often thinking about what what's in it for them, what's the money they may or may not make. Um, and, and oftentimes what I've seen at least is that falls on, you know, again, that dynamic just turning more and more negative between Airbnb hosts and in that community and the people that live there full time. So um, really, I think it's all based off the city and county and, and in terms of like what they want to do. But at the end of the day, if you're regulated, you get to make money. If you're unregulated, you're not really making a dime from, from that, that hosting community. Um, so definitely skew more towards the regulation. And Please, cities and counties, use that money for like good use because, again, a place like Big Bear, I can't tell you how many empty lots there are in Big Bear. Like, you don't think that. Like, you go to a mountain town, it's definitely a condensed space, but it, it was wild living there thinking about how much negative attention that Airbnb hosts get in that community. And then you literally drive down the street, and I kid you not, the neighboring block to me probably could have housed another 200 single family homes, and it was just sitting there completely empty. So when you think about the money that the city and the county is taking from these regulations, it's like, why can't we come up with a solution to provide more housing in an area that obviously needs it so these house prices and these rent prices can come down? That's great, man. Yeah, that's uh, talking about the regulations a little bit further. Um, you know, a lot of people they talk about like you know new people coming into this space. They might think, oh, I want to go find a place that has no regulations whatsoever, <laughs> and that's generally not the way to go. Like yeah. you said, it's the wild west, and then all of a sudden the the right people start complaining, mm-hmm. and it catches the right people's ear, and then all of a sudden they throw in these super super harsh regulations that just cuts everybody out because they don't know what to do. And so if you find these markets that already are known for vacation rentals, those are the type of markets that you want to get into because they have regulations in place, but they're fair and they're most likely not going to change because they're already in place and people wouldn't still be there if the regulations were so harsh that you could make money. Yeah. And then um, something that I, I uh, heard on a podcast not too long ago, they were saying that um, they're actually targeting places that are putting in strict regulations for short-term rentals and putting in a ceiling. So let's say, you know, a, 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 you know, a random town out in Florida or something that says, hey, we're only giving out a thousand short-term rental uh, permits. And so as of right now, there's only 700 of them. You go in there and you find a place as soon as you possibly can, even if you have to overpay for it, because inherently with that ceiling, you're going to have a valuable asset because there's not many of them that can be, you know, it's not like they're going to make more of them. At least that's what they're saying as of right now. So you can find yourself a valuable asset, something that is going to be beneficial for you and, uh, you know, make some scarcity and you can use the regulations for your benefit. 100% agree. I mean, there is one specific market that comes to mind for me. I'm actually working on an active project there. It's in Galena, Illinois. And so this is a particular market that I don't think is very much in the face of like a top 10 list anywhere, but it's definitely never heard of it. (laughs) Exactly. So I honestly, I never heard of it until my acquisition team was like, Hey, you're working on this project now. So I would do some (laughs) deep dive into, into what that looks like. It's kind of a, uh, not a suburb. It's like a vacation rental market outside of like the Chicago Midwest area. So it's about, I think three hours outside of Chicago. Um, but very similar to what you just talked about. It's a supply constrained market. I don't know how many active permits that the uh, town allows, but the crazy part of it is they are not allowing new permits to, to take place. But if you buy a home, 
that has a current permit, the new owner can transition to just own that permit uh, as well. So when you're looking in that particular market, which is exactly what our acquisitions team did, we bought a already existing short-term rental. The owner tried to sell us their furniture. We said, please, dear God, no, this was a pretty <laughs> ugly listing to begin with. And so now we're in that process. Our renovation is actually starting um, today there, but it, it's a market that we bought the home with the existing permit. And that's the absolute only way you're actually able to enter that market. That's so, very interesting. Yeah. So you all you got to say is we've got Maddie. We've got <laughs> we, don't, exactly. we, don't, we don't need your furniture. But exactly. but but you said something that I want to I want to pull from. You yep. said your acquisitions team. Mm-hmm. Want to talk a little bit about what you're doing now, where you're heading into 2023 and 2024 with wh- who the company is. Yeah. What you guys have done from uh raising money and what and what the goal is with that money because I'm sure yeah. the Audience would love to hear from your first rental arbitrage from your San Diego days all yep. the way into big time. So I, I I'm I know I'm impressed. I know I know about it, but they don't know about it. So why don't you share with everybody what 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 I'm referring to? Yeah, hundred percent. So uh, this conversation might be a little confusing. So like I have two separate entities. So like Maddie and myself, we have like our own listings that right now we are currently working on our rental arbitrage unit that's downstairs um, from us right now. So, so that one should be live here in, in Hudson. Let's call it Mar- by March first. So that that's our own rental arbitrage unit. But yes, what you're referring to is the larger company that I'm working with called TechVestor. And um, TechVestor is, again, a fund uh, that you can invest in as an accredited or a non-accredited investor. And um, we pretty much will transition that capital that we raise into single family homes. Um, Again, coming from rental arbitrage to now, um, as of today, I'm working on seven properties right now that we are in the contractor and staging phase. And these are homes from Florida, Pennsylvania, Illinois, like we just talked about. It's really all over the place. So that's one thing that even on the my personal like content creation side, I would like to really skew into now is that not only can you, you know, be an Airbnb host and create, you know, your, you know, stack of software to help you on the Airbnb hosting side of things, but um, you know, when it comes to actually managing contractors, staging companies, designers, that's also something that you can definitely learn to do just from your laptop. Um, just in 2022 with TechVestor, um, I, I personally project managed uh, about 10 listings from, the, again, the day we purchased that property to the day we posted on Airbnb. And I think I visited only half of those in person. And actually in the first quarter of 2023, I'm on pace to do about 10 more. So over the course of 2023, I hopefully will be able to project manage between 30 and 40 properties. Um, And that's, again, from the day we closed throughout that renovation period with contractors, staging, designing until the day we list on Airbnb. And actually, at least for this first quarter, I probably won't visit a single property in person that I'm actually working on. So um, from simple things like company cam that I'm sure you guys have heard of to, um, you know, any anything that you can get eyes on the property virtually is really the name of the game for me. I'm on the phone. Maddie's always laughing at me. I'm like part-time, but full-time. I'm always on the phone with contractors, always on the phone with designers and stagers, but um, I can do it from anywhere. I have Wi-Fi and cell service, which is really nice. That's yeah. phenomenal, man. Yep. 
Wow. So, so you, uh, you, you mentioned, uh, like your tech stack and stuff like that. I know that that's something that people always find very interesting. So, um, like what kind, I mean, you got potentially 30, 40 properties, you know, that's going to be in the pipeline that you're going to be, you know, assets under management. Yep. So what kind of property management software are you liking? And then what kind of tech stack do you have under that just for, you know, listeners, if they're wanting yeah, to for level sure. up? Absolutely. So when it comes to like the the property management side of things, I, I, so I'm personally not involved on property management with TechBester. Personally, I'm like, thankfully, like yeah, I, I do it for my own <laughs> listings, but I don't think like at scale, it's something that I would be interested in. Um, the phone calls at like midnight, you know, me being on the East Coast and my listings being on the West Coast is already uh, annoying me enough. But ultimately, um, for, for property management for my own listings, very simple. We use, you know, the the, the traditional ones, Price Labs, uh, Hospitable.com, um, which we've been a big proponent of Hospitable um, for, for quite a while. Um, uh, those two are kind of kind of the main ones. Um, we, we've always did, done like the calendar sync from from Verbo through Hospitable.com, but we're we're usually relatively pretty simple with our own personal listings. They're kind of on autopilot with just like the guest communication side of things. Um, and then I think something that I've heard a lot more recently. It's not technically part of like our software stack, but again with this virtually managing of things, having like a runner on the ground in these locations. That's like a third party separate of like your cleaning company or cleaners, I think is probably one of the most important things. So we pay um, a guy in San Diego a few hundred dollars a month. And literally his job is just to be like on call for any like random stuff that might come up. So that's like from some random person is parked in our parking space and they need to be like kicked out or towed. Like he's on it. If someone's having trouble with the keypad, he like hops on the phone with them or heads to the property and helps them out. So I think that's not a part of our software stack, but it's definitely, I think a really important thing for like the virtual managing uh, of things. And then when it comes to my position with TechFester, um, one of the biggest things that we've, you know, tinkered with over the last year or so is just like our, um, our project management online tool we i i think at this point we've used like asana we then started using monday for a while and i actually think the, the uh, robinsons use use monday i heard them mention that briefly and then we actually just transitioned from monday to uh it's called like confluence jira um it's much better in my opinion you have like one board per property and you're able to just really you know, list all the information, add attachments, comments, things like that, all on one board. So that, that's been really nice. And um, without that software, a company like TechVestor can literally not function. We we are, again, people all over the country, actually all over the world. We have international employees now as well. So um, ultimately having something like that, where we can all just build off of one ticket and one property, um, we were able to stay pretty organized. That's amazing, man. So I, I've heard of Monday. I'd heard of Asana, but what was the third one again? Yeah. So it goes by two names and it's, it just depends on which part of the software you're using, but it's, it's called Confluence, but Confluence, it also goes okay. by Jira, which is just J-I-R-A. Gotcha. Yeah. Very nice. I wouldn't That's... really recommend that unless you are, again, like a larger company working with many, many properties in one go. I think like if you're just doing your own personal listings, like something like Asana or Monday is totally fine to use. Yeah. Very nice. Great to know, man. Okay. So that was phenomenal. So I think we uh, will start to pivot over to some of our uh, closing questions. We like to ask the same questions for people, you know, every week to kind of, you know, keep some continuity to the podcast that we're doing and just kind of uh, uh, dig in a little bit. So one of the first questions that we like to ask people is what is your favorite deal that you have done thus far? 
Awesome. Yeah. So since I've only really done one deal, it has to be the Big Bear house. But ultimately, <laughs> the, that's the only home that we've kind of like bought and sold personally. So um, just talking a little bit more about, about that one, uh, you know, again, live and flip. It was our first home that we've ever done, you know, simple, you know, primary residence loan, 5% down on the home. So um, very nice and easy way to purchase our first home together um, and be able to, you know, come out on the other side of that. I definitely think we would have still been able to be profitable as just a standard Airbnb listing, but Big Bear, like one of the many markets in California, that's just gotten really, really oversaturated the last couple of years. Um, instead of, you know, maybe banking on that not being the real, um, you know, thing going on, we just thought, let's, you know, get out of this, um, make the money that we did and uh, move on to bigger and better things. Yeah. It's phenomenal, man. So um, something that um, we had a, we had a guest talk a little bit about um, their, their best habits um, and habit stacking. So do you want, so I, I have a little bit of, my best habit. You want to talk a little bit about some of the things that you're doing? Yeah, sure. Um, I think, you know, the, I think kind of transitioning this almost to like the difference between having the mindset of like a nine to five and working for yourself or working as, you know, a 1099 contractor and kind of being able to manage your, your own time um, has really been a huge focus of mine, especially over the last like year or so, I'll call it. Um, going from, I think, a time when I was in college and into, you know, your first nine to five jobs that, that you might have. I think what I like about that process is also having a very strict schedule. Like that's, that's helped me out in my entire life. Like even in college, I remember I was very active with, you know, jobs outside of classes, internships, on campus, like community work, um, stuff like that. So, having a schedule where I was like, okay, I literally have to be at this place from this time to this time. Actually, I think really helped someone like me or naturally I'm not someone that like will actively put myself in those positions unless I'm like signed up for something. So I think over like my entrepreneurship days over the last two years or so, I really struggled early on. Like when it was just Maddie and myself, Maddie actually still had a full-time job um, working in marketing. And I was kind of that person that was managing our listings, you know, figuring out like how we were going to scale, things like that. And I struggled like really hardcore early on on like what it was like to like work for myself and not have that really strict schedule in my life. Um, and so I think not only like working for a company like TechFest or just being like busy from like the day to day there, but also kind of wrapping my head around like it's a long term play with investing. It's not just going to happen like in five or six months. It absolutely can. But for me personally, I couldn't think of it in that way. So when it comes to like the habits that I think I've built to build like that mindset, it's really about adding that schedule and a little bit more of like the like strictness and discipline back into my life. And that's me just having to actively do that for myself, right? So like almost every single day, like if you go to my Google calendar, I will literally have like, okay, from this time to this time, I'm going to be focusing on this. And I know a lot of people probably do that and be very specific about like the work I want to accomplish that day. But for me, if I don't actively create that plan for myself, I'll literally just be here at noon and be like, oh, I guess I have nothing to do today. <laughs> so I think for me personally, just building that habit of like, okay, 
Um, I hope I've heard this quote of like, prepare yourself for the next 24 hours. And so I've kind of tried to figure that out in terms of like, you know, the night before, make sure the next day is kind of like set in stone scheduled, at least to a certain extent. So I don't wake up thinking, okay, like, what am I going to do today as like an entrepreneur in the Airbnb space? Because there's a lot to do. And I want to make make sure I'm specific about what that goal of that day is. Well, that's phenomenal, man. Yeah. I, I can't remember what the rule or the law is or whatever yeah. somebody, uh, but it, you know, whatever amount of time that you're allotted to do something, that's how long it'll take you. So at yeah. least if you put a little bit of parameters on yourself, like, oh, if it's going to take me two hours to do it, if I give myself one hour, I'll probably figure out a way to do it. For so sure. that, that's, that's brilliant, man. I really, really like that. Um, so moving on to the next one, what is the biggest challenge that you're experiencing in your business right now? And how could the Fetch It listeners help you out? Yeah, um, I would say the, for me personally, it's still just the, you know, communication and work that I do with like contractors specifically. Um, so, I mean, I feel like everyone probably has a story of like a bad contractor oh, or something like that. I mean, uh, no different here for sure. Definitely have, you know, worked with people for the first time and wanted to never work with that person again. So typically with TechFester, um, you know, on the project management side of things, I'm, I'm really heavy with work in like the Pocono mountains in Pennsylvania. Um, I've done over 10 listings there in, in the last like eight months or so. And just from working there, again, kind of a similar mountain town vibe to like a big bear that I was used to, um, you get mountain contractors, right? Like that's just how it is. And, and not saying that's bad in any way. Typically they're super handy um, with construction. And like, if you want something specifically built out, they're really good with just um, like woodworking and construction and things like that. But in terms of like, communication and, you know, hopping on a FaceTime call or getting updated photos or for them to look at a Google doc, like sometimes even simple stuff like that is super, super complicated for, for certain people. And so um, I would say, you know, just the communication with contractors and maybe even potentially finding contractors that are more of, more of like a full service, like one-stop shop. And what I mean by that is, you know, typically any average property that I'm working on, it's three different entities. It's a contracting company that will handle all the renovation. It's a staging company that will then go in there and do the furniture assembly, you know, send me photos, make sure there's a, a wall decor hanging on the right wall in the right location. So I have that second entity. And the third entity is just your traditional designer. Sometimes the stager and the designer is the same company um, in particular markets, but in the Poconos, oftentimes those are two separate entities. But um, I've also worked on deals in, in a market like Florida that's a little bit more built out. And you can sometimes find construction companies out there that will do, you know, the renovation and they'll also handle the furniture assembly and staging. So really my ask for like, you know, contractors of the future and staging companies of the future, really think about like the different things you can also help out with. Because for me, as someone that manages the entire process, I would love to just work with one company and them to handle all of it for me. Right. But I obviously know there's nuances there. I just want to point out because yeah. we want to generate business ideas through these. That could be a business idea for anybody in the contracting business out there. If you want to do an all-in-one contractor focused on short-term rentals, maybe that's a niche that somebody with a plumbing, electric, electrical, flooring background can take on as like a super GC. So I just yeah. want to point. I just want to point that out to the audience that that is an idea. And if you have that uh, set of skills, which I do not have, do it. 
Yeah. And it, it should be, rel- I mean, it, to me, in my mind, I'm like, oh, it's relatively simple, but like, obviously there's a lot of different nuances and things that people would have to build out there. But yeah, I mean, if you're a contractor, the furniture assembly should be very, very simple for you. It'll probably take you, you know, a day or two to, you know, build out a, a three bedroom home, let's call it. It wouldn't, wouldn't be crazy in terms of the labor needed. And then the design side of things, like many, you know, companies just, you know, outsource that, you know, find a designer that you like and can communicate with, see what their past work looks like. And that's someone that, you know, if a short-term rental investor comes to you and asking, you know, Rex on a designer, you have one in-house um, that they can use. Yeah, truly. I, I I think if you had somebody that was like, you know, just a general handyman or a guy that would work for a construction company for four or five years or something like that, and he's very handy, if he would be able to, you know, gather up a couple other people and if they, especially if they had the ability to be flexible with location and if they would start a small business, and even if it was just regional, like let's just say that there was somebody in the, you know, the east side of Tennessee where like Sevierville, Pigeon Forge, all that stuff is, I'm sure there are a few out there. But if they were like, hey, we're a full stop shop to where if you ship all of the equipment to our warehouse, we yeah. will or all of the furniture, we will assemble everything. We will transport it over there. We will set it up. I mean, people would pay dearly for that to actually have oh, somebody yeah. reliable and a true like business, not just like, you know, Joe Schmo that's going <laughs> to, you know, maybe yeah. put it together and maybe steal it one or the other, you know, yeah. and so you Venmo yeah. or send them a check at the end. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Right. <laughs> and then you you're talking about, uh, you know, uh, questionably reliable people and like asking them to do tech stuff. I was just thinking about some, you know, good old mountain boy trying to get on Stessa and trying to update something, you know, I bet that'd be a struggle. Yeah. Uh, Okay. Uh, Yoni, you want us to take us to, uh, take us to the last question? Yeah, for sure. So the, something that's very important is for people to be able to reach out to you and contact you. And I find you through social media, I believe. So it's either TikTok or Instagram. I don't quite remember. So why don't you tell everybody where they can find you? or work with you yeah absolutely yeah so you can find us on instagram it's skyler and maddie um that's s-k-y-l-e-r and m-a-d-i and then on tiktok it's the exact opposite it's maddie and skyler um my personal instagram if you guys want to follow me there too is just skyler underscore vaughn underscore so if you guys want to follow me there i don't really post much about the airbnb side of things on my personal account um but you can follow along, especially on Instagram. I know Maddie's going to be really active over the next couple of weeks. If you guys are really interested in like a rental arbitrage, you know, put together, she's already started on sort of like the furniture side of things. But um, this listing downstairs is going to be really fun. We're really excited. Um, it's going to be a nice mixture of very luxury furniture for the first time we're trying out, like from Pottery Barn and, and CB2. And we're also combining that with um, a lot of like uh, 1800s and 1700s French furniture that uh, that is really popular here in upstate New York. Um, in the Hudson area specific, um, you have a lot of old antique warehouses that um, different from the West Coast, we have very, very old furniture here on the East Coast. So um, it's going to be a nice mixture of, uh, of all that, which should be a really nice uh, way to enter that luxury Airbnb space for the first time, which we're excited for. Super cool. And then uh, if anybody wanted to get in touch with you uh, specifically to maybe invest with the company, uh, can you speak touch on that a little bit? Absolutely. Yeah. So you can go to um, just on Instagram, it's techvestor. So T-E-C-H-V-E-S-T-O-R. Um, let me, sorry, I'm just checking the the actual website, I want to say it's diff- a little bit different than just TechVestor. Oh, no, I'm wrong. Okay, so just tech- TechVestor.com. So if you go there, um, you can click on Request Invite. Um, and, and from there, you can actually schedule a call. We have a fully built out investor relations team that you can speak with. 
great group of guys over there. They're very um, informative, can really speak to um, the returns that investors can can potentially seek by investing with a company like Techbester. So um, the call is free. So, I mean, if you're, again, accredited or non-accredited investors, um, you know, go ahead to, you know, techbester.com and you can definitely schedule a call from there. That's phenomenal, man. Love it. Yeah. Love it. Yoni, where can people find more about you? Whew. Uh, about me? Uh, why would you want to know about me? Um, I'm at, <laughs> at I'm at Yonatan Waxman uh, on Instagram. That's at Y O N A T A N W A X M A N, and you can imagine Waxman, my last name. I got teased growing up, Waxy Waxy. So that's uh, <laughs> it, it, it. Sound it, you know it's spelled as it sounds, and um, obviously um, the, the, the fetch it um, has its own uh, Instagram handle, which you'll find once you get to my own. And I guess David also share share yours. Yeah, uh, on Instagram, David Rosenbeck, D-A-V-I-D-R-O-S-E-N-B-E-C-K. Nice and simple. Go give me a follow. My wife and I, we've been doing a lot of traveling around. I like to post stuff about uh, real estate. Um, and then, yeah, obviously find uh, the two of us on the uh, the Fetched Instagram. Uh, Skyler, any other closing thoughts? Anything you'd like to touch on before we get you out of here? No, I think that's it. I appreciate you guys and, and the time and uh, hope this was helpful for the listeners. And yeah, um, again, hit us up on, on socials and we'll be happy to help. Awesome, man. Thank you so much. This is another episode of the Fetch It Podcast. Thank you, guys. Yep.